0: This is a CNA Podcast.
1: Hello there, I'm Steve Lai, and could we be reaching the final act of a gripping story that involves luxury yachts, corruption at the highest levels, a Hollywood movie, billions of dollars of state funds, and a political scions fall from grace? Malaysia's top court upholds the guilty conviction for former Prime Minister Najib Razak. That will send him to jail for 12 years on charges of corruption related to the 1MDB financial scandal. Najib accused. On this episode of CNA Correspondent, you'll hear firsthand how a landmark week unfolded at the federal courthouse in Putrajaya. As Malaysia's Chief Justice ruled to uphold former Prime Minister Najib Razak's corruption conviction, effectively ending his hopes of staying out of prison and handing him the dubious distinction of being Malaysia's first former Prime Minister to go to jail. To talk you through the twists and turns of this rollercoaster ride, I'm joined by both of our Malaysia correspondents, Melissa Goh and Afifa Arafin. Welcome to you both.
0: Thanks Steve, great to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: Now, FIFA I'll come to you first. You were at the courthouse the day that the Chief Justice Tunku Maimun Tuan Mat upheld Najib Razak's guilty conviction. What was that day like?
0: This was day 3 of the main appeal. It was a normal day. None of us thought that anything was going to happen. We thought that the prosecution was yet completed their submissions and we thought that this was perhaps the defense's opportunity to show up and say now we want to present something but none of us had any idea what was about to unfold. It was the calm before the storm. And slowly, we saw so many twists and turns happen. We saw the defense applying to recuse the Chief Justice, from presiding over the case because they had found a Facebook post of the Chief Justice's husband sharing negative sentiments about Najib Razak during his time as Prime Minister. So that was one big shock. And then after that, court adjourned and we went live again to break that news. When court resumed, we saw cameos from the former lead counsel, Shafi Abdullah, coming into court out of nowhere. That was such a shock to us journalists. We were like, what? Shafi's back? And then suddenly Shafi rushes into court, completely not dressed in the lawyer attire because he said, I just came from a symposium in parliament and I rushed here and I'm so unprepared. I don't have any documents with me. And then the Chief Justice, of course, didn't take any of that antics and just slammed it and said, no, Hishamte is representing. We're not going to adjourn. We've said this many, many times. Yeah, so many twists and turns happening. And then court adjourned again. And then when they came back, the Chief Justice said, okay, Hisham's done with his submission of his recusal application. The panel dismisses the recusal application. Chief Justice is still in charge. And next thing you know, we were moving on to the verdict. And everyone in the media room was just like, we knew this was going to happen. We just didn't expect it to happen so fast. And from there, it was just a complete blur. You know, Najib stood up and addressed the court in this very long 20 minutes emotional speech about how he was not given a fair trial, about how the judges were biased against him, about how he was defenceless, and then just went straight to the verdict. And, and then that's it. Najib went to jail.
1: Yeah, and this case has been building for so long and to come to an end quite abruptly and quite messily, I have to say. Amel, you've been following this case from the beginning. You've seen the rise and now the fall of Najib Razak what
2: did you make of it all? You know, it is rather surreal, not just for me and a lot of people as well. The reality that Najib is now a convict, that his residence is now at Kajang prison, and he's now behind bars. The reality is just starting to sink in. But the turn of events towards the end, it does sound a bit rushed to a lot of people. But ultimately, the people want justice. It's been more than four years. So many people are celebrating, but still a lot of political analysts and opposition leaders saying that it could be too early to celebrate because we still don't know whether it's going to seek pardon.
1: We'll ask you a bit more about that a bit later on in the podcast, but I just want to come back, Afifa, to the support that Najib has. Give us a sense of how the atmosphere was like at the courthouse for those people that had turned up to show their support for Najib.
0: In the morning before court started about nine, we saw a lot of buses coming in. A lot of the supporters who came to the courthouse that day were from Pakan. Now, Pakan is Najib's constituency, his seat in Pahang. So they came down all the way from Pahang to Putrajaya to lend their support to Najib. And our crew was parked outside talking to people and filming them. A lot of them, especially the elder ladies, got very emotional. Many of them saying that, oh, we know Najib, you know, he's been our MP for so long. We know his family, of course, you know, his father, the former prime minister. So there's just so much legacy that he carries that all these people know him from when he was a young boy and see him grow up to become prime minister. In their eyes, Najib didn't do anything wrong. There are many of them very emotional, weeping, saying this is unfair, saying zalim, zalim, which means this is cruel. Yeah, just
2: a very highly charged atmosphere outside of the court when the verdict was delivered. I can recognize some of them, some of the faces, because... I followed Najib to Pakan a few times. And these are the aunties and the uncles. They used to go to the house, they cook together, and Najib will come and say hi to them. And Najib is like their son. And they watch him growing up. To them, it's like they have a responsibility to look after him as well. So he, is like a family friend, and they're very close. So to see him now put behind bars, it's very hard for some of these ladies, especially the women, to take to solo, and I can imagine the repercussion back in Pekan in the home state.
1: Yeah, he's been in the political arena for a long time, comes from a political family, his father, a former prime minister as well. Mel, you've interviewed him numerous times over the years. Uh, Give us some insight into the man himself.
2: Here's the thing for Najib Raza, a 69-year-old. He is healthy, and despite all the challenges and all the setbacks, the blows that he's been taking. He's been able to carry himself and is very cordial with the media and he's very friendly and he has never shouted or lost his calm in public. He's always been very calm and for 40 odd years he's been in politics. He has held so many portfolios in the government from youth and sports, education, defense to finance ministry. And he grew as a young AMNU youth chief. So many of the division chiefs grew up with him the 191 divisions. They call themselves brothers.
0: If I could just add something about Najib's image, just talking to people on the ground. When he was in power, and when he was Prime Minister or during his rise to becoming the Prime Minister, we saw Najib as a complete aristocrat. He's always known as someone who is very polished, speaks very well, very eloquent, and someone who enjoys sipping tea and having nice lunches. But after 2018, we saw how he revamped that image to be more relevant and to, to really, um, what's the word for it?
1: Or to be more engaged with? To
0: be more engaged with a working class. So the Monica Bosco that came up, that was really the support from people who used to feel so detached from Najib. So how he revamped his image from 2018 is really, to me, quite remarkable in how he's managed to rally support from a different segment of people altogether.
1: Yeah. Will Najib be able to continue his influence over Malaysian politics? Time will certainly tell. Next on CNA Correspondent, you'll hear how Najib's legal troubles are far from over and what this all means for Malaysia's political landscape.
2: Hi, I'm Stephen Sher, and I host the new season of our podcast, Heart of the Matter. Join me in getting right to the heart of the headlines as we speak with experts and newsmakers to delve deep into the most talked about news developments. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts.
1: That's the sound of Najib supporters who gathered at the courthouse throughout the week the former Prime Minister was seen winding down his car windows and waving and thanking them as he got out and made his way up the courthouse steps to fight the mounting charges against him. You're back with me, Steve Lai, along with our Malaysia correspondent Melissa Goh and Afifa Arifin. And we've been talking about the tumultuous week in Malaysian politics, but it's far from over because...
2: The second corruption trial of former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak resumed today at the Kuala Lumpur High Court. He's accused of embezzling more than 500 million US dollars from state fund 1MDB.
1: Mel, 12 years and nearly 50 million US dollar fine for Najib. And that's just the first court case. He faces four more.
2: Yeah. In fact, it's currently ongoing right now. Yesterday was the much bigger 1MDB trial dubbed the mother of all trials related to state fund 1MDB. It's a much bigger amount, much more complex in terms of the uh, proceedings and so on. It's still early days because there's still some 80 more witnesses to go as far as that 1MDB's trial is concerned. And for that, he's facing 21 charges of money laundering and four counts of abuse of power. So if he's convicted, he can be jailed 15 to 20 years for each count. Whether the judge... Colin Sequeira, if he's convicted, whether he will have this concurrently, because he's currently serving 12 years in prison, it's entirely up to the judge. But like I said, it's still early days.
1: Mel, very different, though, this time around with the second trial with regards to how he's arrived at the courthouse. We just heard earlier the supporters calling for him and chanting for him and he himself also reaching out to them to shake their hands and to speak with them before he goes into the courthouse. Now that he's coming from jail, it's a very different story.
2: Yeah, indeed, it's the first time as well that he won't be using the main foyer, won't be able to get off the car himself and use the main foyer into the courtroom. Instead, he's driven immediately behind the court complex. There is a lockup. He has to go through there and they have to sign the prison board. We'll have to hand him over to the court and then he will be escorted up to the courtroom. With tight security, the prison guards are armed with machine guns. I saw them. We're not allowed to take pictures of them. But he wasn't handcuffed. He's in suit. So basically, he changed before he arrived in court. And the family members were allowed to be in the holding room with him for a while, the prison authorities, and also the court. They're trying to be seen as doing everything above board, that rules are being followed, but it's away from the media. So we don't know what is happening behind the scenes either. But certainly there's no more people greeting him for him to actually walk the corridor into the courtroom, surrounded by supporters. Those were taken away from him. If he rolled down the window, it would be just a little bit to wave his hand, but he's not allowed to stop or talk to them.
1: Okay, let's move on from Najib and look at the bigger picture. What does this mean for UMNO? And specifically, it's President Ahmad Zahid Hamidi. His and the party's support for Najib must be wavering, you would think. And let's not forget that he himself has corruption charges leveled at him?
0: A day after Najib was sent to jail, AMNO President Ahmad Zayed Hamidi came out with a statement calling for the party to continue standing behind Najib. And he said that the party will still support Najib, even though he's behind bars now. What this would mean for AMNO is that. We know that the party has been pressuring Prime Minister Ismail Sabri to call for elections as soon as possible. So could this change things? Could Najib being in jail mean greater pressure on the Prime Minister to dissolve Parliament? It's definitely a big blow for the party losing someone as influential as Najib, right? Because you know, he's known as Bosco, he was instrumental in the last four state elections for Amno and the victories. But. As you said, Ahmad Diet Hamidi himself is also facing a lot of court cases that are still ongoing. And there is that sort of leadership vacuum at the top of AMNO, especially as your top leaders or those part of the court cluster are facing all these corruption charges against them.
1: And Mel, how are the opposition looking to capitalize on what's been happening to Najib and his fall?
2: The opposition parties a lot of them were saying that, hey, this is a victory for the people. Had the voters not voted overwhelmingly for the opposition to come into power back in 2018, Najib's case wouldn't have got the ground. They wouldn't be able to put him behind bars to start off with. So it is hailed as a victory of the people. But at the same time, they're wary of the fact that since a lot of the opposition parties, including some of the smaller Malay parties that we are Seeing now sprouting all over they are building the case that the main purpose is to actually rig corruption is to put those culprits behind bars but this has taken the wind off the sails because najib is already behind bars so what is your tag then because they need to find a new rallying point for the people what's next in preparation for the coming general election so things are hotting up definitely as far as political sphere is concerned yeah I am expecting now that Dr. Made has been the staunchest critics of Najib, he wanted to put him behind bars a long time ago. And whether now that with Najib behind bars, this will be a uh, time for Ismail Sabri to open up and say to come back to Amno, um, let's be one big family before the next general election. Whether there's a possibility, I entertain that thought. Amno um, is in Dr. Made's DNA. So I definitely entertain that possibility that he may cut the deal and come back before he said
1: his final goodbye. Wow, fascinating. Uh, Afifa, just to get us up to speed with, there's been a bit of talk about a possible pardon happening, but surely with so many outstanding court cases still pending, that sort of action will have to wait, won't it?
0: Yeah, even yesterday we saw some of Najib Razak's supporters gather outside the royal palace, Istana Nagara, to submit an application for a pardon to the king. There were hundreds of them gathered outside. But according to legal practitioners, yes, Najib Razak can apply for a royal pardon, but whatever the case, he must still serve jail time for a certain period of time before anything can happen. And at the end of the day, it's subject to the discretion of the young Dipertuan Agong or the king. Najib will still have to attend all of his court cases first before any of this can happen. So it's not
2: going to be anytime soon. I spoke with the law minister on the phone yesterday, Wan Jinnati, because I wanted to get a clearer picture. How does it work, right? Because many people are saying different things. He said that now that Najib is behind bars, it will have to be his family or his close relatives, someone close to him, either the wife or the children, seek a royal pardon. He can't do it himself, so they will have to petition for him. The king is a residual power. It's an inherent kind of power. It's not written anywhere. Although there is a pardon board, and he chairs the pardon board, and the AG or the Attorney General will advise him when he wants to consider someone for pardon. But it's really entirely up to him whether he take their advice or not. It's up to the king. He can do it for reason of conscience, or miscarriage of justice, public interest. There are many reasons that are not written. So it's really entirely up to the king whether he wants to grant him a pardon or not.
1: This leads me to the next question, which is GE15. If I was asking you to make your best guess, when would you say that it's going to happen? Uh, Mel, you first.
2: I wish I had the crystal ball, Steve. (laughs) Many people are looking at end of the year, towards the end of the year, sometime in November, before the monsoon rain, before the floods, before the bad weather comes in sometime in November, after the tabling of the budget.
1: Okay, Nafifa, what do you think?
2: You know, Steve, after covering Malaysia for a couple of years, truly Malaysia bully. Anything
0: (laughs) is possible at this time. It's something I learned you must always expect the unexpected here. We've been in limbo for a while. Well, we know on Saturday, there were a lot of political parties and coalitions holding the election convention. Such a flurry of political activities happening, which is an indication that elections could be sooner rather than later.
1: We will have to wait and see. One last question for both of you. How do you guys decide who covers which story? Do you guys get in fights over it? Do you flip a coin? Do you draw a straw? How does it work?
0: No, there's no secret to it. or there's no. <laughs> there are no fights. What happened last week was, we didn't expect that the verdict would be delivered on Tuesday. So I said, okay, sure, I'll do Tuesday. So I calculated in my head that Friday would be the last day of the hearing, and that's when they would deliver the verdict. So if I did Tuesday and Thursday, Mel would have to do the verdict and and had to deal with all the craziness.
2: But that backfired for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that's how you guys do it? It's just a rostering thing?
2: Yeah. It's a full-time job keeping track of Najib's trial, right? I know. But we have other assignments. We do have our CNA correspondence long form to do. We do have other KPIs to meet. So... We discuss about our schedule and propose to the office, but office usually they have the final say how they want it. So there's no fix hard and fast. Things can change. It's up to KL Bureau to decide and then propose to the office what's best and the office decide.
1: That's how it works. Uh, Okay. All right. In my mind, I was thinking you guys sort of fight over the biggest stories and who's going to cover what. You're both shaking your heads and laughing at me like, no, that's not how it works. I mean, the thing is, you know, there's so many
0: things happening in Malaysia. Everything is a big story. In fact, sometimes I feel that two of us are not enough <laughs> yeah. to really cover everything comprehensively.
1: Well, you've certainly covered everything comprehensively for me on this edition of CNA Correspondent. So big thank you, Mel and Afifa. It's been great to chat with you both. I'm sure we'll be speaking to, with you again soon. We are, after all, only on to the second of five court cases for Najib with a potential election looming. So thank you, guys.
0: Thanks, Steve. Pleasure to be here.
1: And thank you as well for listening. The TV version of CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30pm. You can also catch up with us wherever you like on cna.asia. Do like and subscribe to this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents. It's available on the Me Listen and CNA app and wherever you get your podcasts from. Our podcast team is made up of Jacqueline Chan, Daniel Lee, Christina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Steve Fly.